Welcome to Is This Working, a podcast about the messy parts of work with me, Anna Codrerado. And me, Tiffany Philippou. And we're back. We've dusted off our mics to bring you a very special bonus episode. That is right. We've gone into lockdown again here in England, and we know that lots of other countries are also imposing similar tough restrictions. So we wanted to record a bonus episode for our lovely listeners. It only felt right given that our season three was recorded entirely during lockdown, and that also started as one bonus episode that we recorded and then we basically got ourselves through the last lockdown by recording an entire season which is just to manage expectations probably not what we're going to do this time round but we are here for a one-off special episode. It's been a while since we last put out an episode I've actually really really missed it um, and I'm missing it more as time goes by. What's been happening since we were last on the air Anna? Well I've mainly been working on my book that I'm writing at the moment. It's called You're the Business and it's a guidebook for people who work for themselves. I've nearly finished writing it at this point. Um, Also, I should mention that it's available for pre-order. I will put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, But yeah, I've mainly been doing that. So I've been in my writing cave. Um, But you've been doing something really cool, Tiffany, in in this time. Yes, I've trained to be a coach. Um, and it, it, having done the training, it feels like such a natural extension of the work that I already do that I almost can't believe I hadn't thought about it earlier. And I think it was in lockdown, actually, lockdown V1, that you sent me a VM being like, you should be a coach. And I was like, okay. Like, it's just one of those ideas that come from nowhere that you just latch onto and then turn into an opportunity. Um and yeah, so I've been doing my training at the Coactive Training Institute. If you know, you know, there's a little bit of a community vibe around it. Um, and I'm now taking on new clients. So I will also put some details in the show notes for that. Um, but tell me how the book writing's been going, Anna. It's been going great, actually. I've really loved the process of writing a book. And it's been a really strange thing to do at this time, especially as this all kicked off right in the middle of the first round of lockdown, which was of course quite an intense period. And it's been, it's been a real privilege, I have to say, to be able to just work on a really big writing project. And in many ways, having this time where we can't really go anywhere, it's been kind of the perfect time to focus on a project like this. All that being said, I have really missed recording the podcast. So I'm really excited to be back, if not just for this one special episode. But I don't know about you, but I really felt that talking things through during the last lockdown really helped me get through it and sharing our experiences and being quite open about all the stuff that was going on in our working lives really helped me. And I know that it helped listeners. So I am delighted to to take this time to to be back on the podcast airwaves. Yeah, I really missed it as well. And I, I also really miss hearing from people and that connection and like creating something that goes out in the world and then hearing back from people. 
And I know that people really appreciated our honesty um, the first time round. And I'm sure loads of the past episodes are relevant for re-listening for anyone who's new to the show as well. But yeah, I mean, thank you so much for you in particular for coming back because your book deadline is very, very close. So I appreciate that um, you've come back. And we've done that because... We've both been hearing about people's work experiences. So we're kind of eight months into this like mass work from home and it really feels like it's dragging on and it felt urgent for us to get together and talk about it. Yes, definitely. You saying it, putting it like that, that the mass work from home experiment has now dragged into its eighth month. It just absolutely blows my mind. And it makes me think that when all of these stay-at-home orders first came into effect all around the world, I was really worried that people would really hate working from home and that it would give us home workers a really bad image because people wouldn't enjoy it because it was under these intense circumstances. However, at least in the beginning, it seemed like the reverse was true And people were actually finding that they were getting stuff done and they were more productive and that they were happy to be at home and the whole thing actually was was working out quite well for them. However, at least the impression that I'm getting and the people that I'm speaking to, and even myself, to, to be quite honest, it feels like the mood has really changed now and that people are actually really struggling and that people who are, um, you know, not freelancers and who aren't normally working from home, but people who do work in offices, they're actually really missing the office and they they just want to go back by this point. Yes, definitely. And some offices were open a little bit, so people were able to go back a couple of days a week. And I think for so many people, that was a huge lifeline that has now been taken away as we enter another lockdown. And I'm really feeling for people that I'm speaking to because I think everyone just wants to get back into that office and see their colleagues again. I think the problem is that this is now dragged on for so long, but we're also still stuck in a limbo. And I think that is especially true for people who have office jobs and they don't actually know, they still don't really know when the plans are to go back into the office. And it's really made me think about the concept and process of remote working. So we've all been forced into this remote working experiment right now. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the pandemic, and you know, I include myself as one of these people who kind of said this, we were holding up the fact that the that the home working was going so well as a reason to encourage more remote working. And I do still stand by that. I do still think that remote working when done right can be brilliant, but that's the really crucial difference is that the remote working has to be done right. And the only way to do it properly is to actually develop a culture that is built on remote working. That may sound counterintuitive, but such a thing does exist. And if you want to build a company that is entirely remote, you have to hire people with experience of doing that. You have to commit to the idea and then you have to communicate that to your team and bring them along the journey with you because companies that already exist that are remote, people sign up for those jobs knowing that they're going into a remote team. Whereas what we're finding now is that people have signed up for a job thinking it was in an office and have found themselves working remotely. And that's a very different offering. And it just makes me think about uh, 
Chris, our producer, and how he used to work for a remote company in the before times. And that company spent a lot of time and, need I say money, developing their company culture. They would have these blowout Christmas parties. There'd be lots of international travel. And every year there was this company-wide trip that was basically a mini festival. Um, It was kind of like this week-long sort of conference slash corporate fun thing that actually did look really fun. And me observing that as an outsider, it really seemed to me that in order to make a remote culture work, you have to get your employees to spend a lot of time physically together and you have to foster those real life connections. And that is something that obviously at the moment is really hard to do. And so unless companies are now using this as a moment to say, okay, you know what? the way we're going to deal with this uncertainty is by committing to going remote, then they have to start taking those steps to do that. But I'm not really seeing a lot of companies do that. Instead, I'm just seeing people still stuck in the same limbo that they were in eight months ago. Yes, I don't think that companies have done enough. And I speak a lot in my writing about adopting its systemic principle, kind of pessimistic mindset. And what I mean by that is to look at the situation we're in now, presume we'll be in it for a long time, and then build and create strategies to flourish within that context. And I think what a lot of companies have done since March and April is just wait for change instead of saying, okay, we're going to be in this situation for a long time now. How do we create a remote working culture that works well for us and our employees? Instead of just saying, oh, we'll go back eventually oh we're waiting for this and I and I really actually I'm actually quite cross at companies and managers and I don't think they've done enough and I understand that for a lot of managers um and, and everyone is struggling but I think there needs to be some quite serious conversations about how you can make the work situation better for people because people's mental health is really suffering from that lack of connection um, from their employees and not having that face time. And it hasn't been the case that for the last eight months, you can't see person people in, in real life, but because they've kind of limped around the issue, now we're, now you can't really see people in real life and they didn't fully take advantage of the time that you could necessarily. Um, I appreciate some companies did and, and, and opened the office for a couple of days a week, but there wasn't really, no one was really asking the hard questions around like, we're not going to try and recreate the office at home. How are we going to redesign our culture so that it's a remote working culture? And you know what? Like, if it turns out that um, that's not the better thing to do, and the vaccine comes and offices can reopen five days a week, and your company says, "Okay, let's go back to that way," great, that's fine. There's nothing. The time hasn't been wasted to invest and think about how to create a functioning remote work culture. Yeah, I think that really hits the nail on the head. It's this idea of just waiting for something to change. It's it's almost like that same mentality that we see, you know, you see just in everyday life where you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, I won't do this thing because this thing hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to live my life waiting for these changes to come rather than being in the present moment and just dealing the hand that you're dealt. Yes, it's exactly that. And you know what, fair enough for the first kind of few months, but we're eight months in now. And I still don't think it's good enough to to say, let's sit out winter. And I think that also this could be a really big opportunity to 
rethink how we work. And I think we said that so optimistically in the early days of the lockdown season. But, you know, we could take a look about something around focus, like how can we use the work from home time to be prioritizing focus or people doing certain types of work. And so considering things like meeting free days and stopping that kind of continuous low level humdrum communication online that doesn't really serve a very compelling purpose. And again, just really thinking about how best to redesign remote work in a, in a radical way. That's the thing that I'm hearing from so many people is that the endless Zoom meetings are not letting up. And if anything, it's they seem to be increasing in frequency. Not only that, but also people's appetite for them has just fallen off a cliff. And it's not Zoom fatigue. It's kind of Zoom burnout, Zoom exhaustion that we're all suffering from. And I think this idea, I think it's so, you know, I think focus is definitely the piece that I'm hearing the most from people that is the real trouble. And it's this vicious cycle of people are worried about losing their jobs, but then they're being sucked into all of these meetings all day, which are, at least from what I'm being told, pointless meetings that don't seem to go anywhere. There's no agenda and there are no action points to be made from them. And then they have no time to do their actual work. And so the cycle then continues because you feel how am I going to show that I'm doing my best work when I don't have time to do my work? I'm now being dragged into another pointless meeting. I'm going to have to say stuff in this meeting so that my boss remembers who I am because I haven't seen them since March. And it's just, we're stuck in this vicious loop. Now, my question to you, Tiffany, you have been a manager in your former pre-self-employed life. And now obviously with your new training as a business coach, if you are managing a team right now, what are some things that you would do? What are some experiments you would try to run with your team to help alleviate some of this stress that people are experiencing right now? I think the first thing would be to talk to the team and get feedback and treat it as you would anything of this nature, which is start by getting feedback from people. Um, I'd like to think in this um imaginary management team that there's an open lines of communication and honesty so people could say to me there's too many zoom meetings um you know and i think the main thing so when i did manage what i always really valued was focus around output i really didn't care about um when the hours people worked or when they were in the office but because we worked in quite intense startup environments, you couldn't really hide anyway. So we all had so much to do and we had such big responsibility that it was very easy to have an output focused culture. And like that did come from the top where, you know, the founders wouldn't really be around anyway. So I would be really keen to talk to the team. I would, depending on the type of work we would do, I would definitely play with things like no meeting days. I would talk about what do you need to focus um, maybe introduce methods such as there's a few hours, there's a couple of hours or a few hours of the day where we're all online, but really encourage people to work to their own, their own rhythms and what suits them. So if people want to start work a bit later, cause they go for a walk in the morning, that's fine. So just like try and build and create and try different things. And the main problem I would try to solve, which I'm seeing is the problem around connection. So and I mean proper connection, not um, 
digital just doesn't cut it. So I remember when I was working in a London HQ for a company with um, offices in New York, uh, LA and Paris. And what would happen was I would go out to one of those offices, have a great time, work together in person. It'd be great. I'd come back and then the relationships would slowly, slowly decline and people would think, oh, HQ are this. And we would think, oh, the US office is that. And like, we'd, we'd begin to sort of stop believing that they were trying their best and everyone was together and we'd like get a bit tribal. And then I'd fly back, spend some time with them and then it would be fine again. And then it would come back and slowly, slowly decline. So I think what you have to realize is if people aren't interacting in person, that decline and that mistrust and Ooh, she sent that to me on Slack. She hates me. Ooh, she's taken ages to get back to my email. I'm going to lose my job. Like you just, you stop seeing perspective and focus and you get quite paranoid and it's really bad for relationships. And I actually think digital comms makes it worse. So I would do anything I could within the constraints that I have now. I would, you're allowed to go for walks in England one-on-one. I would try and do that you know, last month you were able to meet up in a group of six. I would try and do that or even outside meet in a park and stand in a circle and like talk about something. I would do whatever is possible within the constraints. And I would definitely um, do what I can to help people with that disconnection and loneliness, which I'm hearing a lot of people are suffering from at the moment as well. I think that you are raising a point, which is something that not enough people are talking about, which is how this pandemic has just exposed the extent to which so many of our work systems were really broken already. This tension that you describe between the mothership and the satellite offices, that is something that is plays out in companies all over the world. Any company that has international outposts suffers from that problem. I've worked, all of the companies I've worked for that had international offices had that same problem where the satellite offices really hate being told what to do by the mothership and the mothership thinks that the satellite offices are all being naughty uh, and not towing the party line. Um, and so all of this has just put, well, the, the pandemic has just put all of this under a microscope. And rather than finding ways to address these problems, somehow we have made them worse and I really love the idea of just working within the constraints that you have. Of course, you have to put your employee safety and health and well-being above all else. But the reality is we aren't we we aren't in as tight restrictions as we were. And so there are potential things that we can do which are legal and which which are safe and all of these things. And so why aren't why aren't we doing them? And I think that this idea that managers just need to step up a bit more. I think really is key here. And and it's not it's of course not just managers it of course needs to come all the way from the top and it needs to kind of be a decision that is happening at the very upper echelons of companies um that really just addresses what workers are just really feeling right now and what is actually going to make them happier and therefore more productive. Yes, cuz I am hearing a lot about people suffering from loneliness and I also read actually in a study um, that actually loneliness is more of distraction from people from working from home for professionals than families and pets. 
which didn't really surprise me, but it really crystallized for me something I have heard a lot from people, which so many people do their jobs because they go to the office every day and they love talking to their colleagues and their colleagues are their friends. And I used to enjoy that part of the office as well, but I made an active decision to step out of that life because I wanted to focus, I wanted to focus essentially, and I wanted to do work that required focus. So I was someone who would go to the office, I would chat loads, have a little social scene. I've always been like that. I was like that school, I didn't do any work, I just socialized. But I um, I chose to step out of that. So I really feel for people who did not choose to do that. And therefore the actual work that they're doing sometimes kind of sucks actually. And so when you take away that human interaction, that friendship, that camaraderie, those Friday night drinks, which is so much fun, then suddenly it's like, what is the point? What am I doing? Like, what is this? And I think there's a little bit of depression that sinks in for people about this. Like you've removed the reason they do their job. And I think a lot of people didn't realize that's why they were doing their job, but suddenly you've taken away a lot of the joy that they got from work and they're just sat in a screen trying to connect with people and it's just not really working. And that's why I keep saying that some sort of creativity around FaceTime can be so transformational for people. That reminds me of a job situation I was in a while ago in which I realized it was time to move on from that job because all that I was getting out of, but towards the end, all I was getting out of that job was socializing and that I still loved going to work, but I loved going to work because I love chatting to my mates at work and that that's all that that job was giving me. And to me, that signaled it was time to move on from that job. And it's exactly to your point that choosing to actively step out of that situation is one thing, but when that has been taken away from you, it's really quite shocking. And also it may very well be the case that removing the social element from one's job has made them realize they don't actually like what they're doing. Well, the problem that we're in right now is that it's not exactly easy to switch jobs. It's not exactly easy to start to take a huge risk and start working for yourself or even just to find a new job. Trying to interview over Zoom and trying to do a good impression and go through job interviews in this digital way is so difficult. And then starting a new job, having never met the people that you work with in person is just, I mean, it's something that very few people have ever experienced before. So it's just, there's just all of this kind of going on in the background. It is no wonder that people are stressed out beyond all belief. Yes. And as you say, people feel powerless to change the situation. So that adds another layer on top of the general feelings of isolation and difficulty because they feel like they don't have the power or the confidence to change the situation, which makes it even harder on a day-to-day level. And the other problem with loneliness is actually there's this weird human thing that when we feel lonely, we actually withdraw. So we we remove ourselves from the connection we need more. And so it takes a huge amount of self-awareness to know that that's what's happening and that you need to reach out to people in a certain way. And this has just popped into my head, but it's funny because everyone's always talking about Zoom and stuff like that. I find like a phone call over the phone so energizing. And I wonder whether people just need to pick up the actual phone a little bit more, whether it's to their colleagues or friends, just to reach out and just see how people are doing, because there's something very intimate about the phone conversation. So I wonder whether people 
should seek to do that rather than Zooms. But um, anyway, I digress. I actually couldn't agree more vis-a-vis the phone. And actually also, I encourage people to leave each other voice notes on WhatsApp. I know that is a Marmite method of communication, one that Tiffany and I love. It's the birthplace of this podcast, our voice memos between each other, VMs as we call them. Leave, leave your colleague a voice note, call them up, see how they're doing. Because it's just, it, as you say, it's a more intimate way to, to talk to someone than Zooming or Skyping them. The other thing on the subject of technology and calls and things like that, that I, I know I've spoken about this in the past and I wrote about it for the iPaper, but not all home offices are made equal. And I feel like that point is continuing to be slightly forgotten in the wider conversation. So there's a lot of chat about like childcare and, um, you know, what it's like for people juggling those things as well as working from home. But there's a real gap in the conversation around people, for example, in their early 20s who are living in flat shares. And to add to that, often a lot, it's more the people, the more junior people in that age bracket who are currently on furlough. So a lot of these people who are living in these flat shares are surrounded by people on furlough who might be like partying in the day or just wanting to like watch TV or whatever it is. And meanwhile, they're in the one spot with internet connection, trying to have a call with their team and try to do their jobs. And I just think it's a real challenge. And 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 I'm yet to hear about companies doing much to help people who are in those types of situations to make it better and easier on them. And I just can't imagine how stressful that must be for young people. Well, definitely. I mean, I think about myself and how I've worked from home now for three years and how long it's taken me to get to a stage where I have an office that I'm really a home office that I'm really happy with and the investments that I've had to make and all the equipment that I need to a kind of protect my back but as in by buying a proper office chair and getting the laptop not the laptop the the plug in the monitor into the laptop and the keypad and all of these kind of boring but ergonomically important bits of equipment and it's taken me years to be able to get be in a position where I can do that and then on top of that you know now Chris and I share our home office and it's that business of having to navigate who gets the office when they're doing calls or you know having to if I'm recording something, I need to kick him out and I'm trying to write my book at the moment. And it's quite difficult when he's on calls and all of these things. It's just, it's these small everyday challenges that we face and they are entirely new challenges that we are navigating. And yet, you know, we've been doing this now for eight months and it still, there still doesn't feel like there is a solution to them. And I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier, which is because of the back of our minds, we're thinking, oh, this is just temporary. And you know, eight months now doesn't feel all that temporary anymore. Yeah, there's definitely a mental exhaustion that comes from having to move around between rooms constantly, which is what I have as well. And it's just, um, again, that impacts your work, like anything that involves decision making or having to move around or anything like that impacts how well you can do your job. And again, like probably people higher up the ladder uh, have their own offices, probably have nicer workspaces, So why would they be thinking about it in the way that perhaps they should? And then there's a couple of other problems I'm seeing as well, where people either have too much work to do or too little to do. 
And when you're at home, that's particularly challenging. So I'm hearing a lot from people who are really struggling with that. I'm going to use term work-life balance, even though that's not something we believe in. But what I mean here is people are struggling with separating the day from leisure time. So, so many people have said to me that they just can't switch off. Um, They just keep their working all through the night. And they say with nowhere to go and no hard deadline, they just keep working. You know, they don't have to think about traveling home and they don't have to, they don't have a reason to leave either. Like they can't be like to their boss, like, oh, I've got theater tickets or whatever it might be. And so they just like keep working. And that is obviously very bad for you to do that. And again, I don't think that's something that's being addressed right now. No, I think quite the contrary. I think there is an expectation that people are available all the time. And I think there is also whether implicitly or explicitly this idea, especially when we are in at these times of tighter restrictions, whether we're in a full lockdown or some kind of partial lockdown or whatever the case may be, I think there is this idea that, well, it's not like you've got anywhere to go or anywhere to be. So you need to be working harder because all of us have to pull our weight and everyone's job is potentially at risk. So, you know, be on, be online and available at, at any point. Yeah, I think that's very true. And yeah, a lot of people, yeah, are talking about trying to keep their company or agency or whatever it is alive by working, by working like that. And like, I feel like a lot of people have the responsibility on their shoulders about that as well, which is just really stressful. And again, it's just, I think it's just too much. Well, I think that's really the core issue here, which is that so many people, well, all of us, we're just worried about what's even going to happen to our livelihoods. I know that so many people are worried about losing their jobs or losing work. I mean, I think I've said this before on the in previous episodes of the podcast since the pandemic hit, that I only just at the beginning of this year, quite literally a few months before the pandemic took hold, felt like I was at a point in my freelancing business, my little business of one, where I was finally able to start saying no to things. And I was really kind of, you know, it wasn't that work was getting on top of me that I really felt like I was on top of work and at a really good place where I felt like I was actually steering my ship and I was moving away from that feast and famine of freelancing and able to only do projects I wanted to do and all that kind of stuff. And then the pandemic came and it was just smack bang. I'm right back to that place where I need to take, say yes to anything that comes my way. And that's something that I'm still, I'm not, because of the writing the book where I'm quite literally, that's the only thing I've been doing. I haven't, I haven't felt that way in most, you know, most recently, but I do worry that once this manuscript is handed in, that is the place I'm going to go right back to worrying about where my next job cut is coming from. And even in some cases, it might be that actually work is coming in and things are okay, but it's just that constant atmosphere of stress that you can't help but think, even though the signs are kind of all pointing towards, oh no, you know, you are fine. You just feel like, yeah, I'm fine, but for how long? Yeah, I do think though that there's a lot of holding ourselves back because of the wider that's happening. And I actually 
have done this as well, where I've been like, what's the point in trying to get new clients? Because, you know, there's, there's bad work vibes out there and the economy is tanking. Like why put myself out there? And having spent so many hours and hours on the work for the coaching that actually a lot of that is a, is kind of an excuse to not do anything or not even try because you don't lose anything by trying and I think we're in a collective despondent state where we don't really see the point in trying things so I know earlier you talked about people being in bad work situations and feeling powerless to change them and that may be right, but that doesn't mean you can't try or test stuff out. And so while on the one hand, I totally understand that mental state and that's something I've done myself, I also think it's important to remember that there is opportunity out there and there is creation still happening and work is continuing. And so it is possible to at least try and do things. And if you fail, if I don't get new clients or whatever it might be, I haven't lost anything from putting myself out there. I think that is very true and I think that is a great note to take a little break and then come back and for us to share a few practical tips about how we can weather the storm in these coming winter months. Stay tuned. talk about some practical things that our lovely listeners can do to cope with working this winter. So I read this great article in The Guardian about how the Nordic countries deal with winter and the lessons that they can teach us going into lockdown and tighter restrictions. In a nutshell, the article talked about how you need to focus on the positive things about winter. So a lot of people feel really glum about winter and they might say things like, oh, winter's a really gloomy and cold time and I can't do the, th- I can't be outside and sit in a park in winter. And so instead of thinking like that, you need to sort of shift your focus and focus on the things that you can do in the winter and the, and the, and the positive things about it. So how it's a time to get cozy and it's a time to indulge in chocolate and other holiday type treats. Um, And also that kind of made me think about how, yes, we can't sit outside in the park right now, but there are other outdoor activities that we can do. And there is that classic saying that there is no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. And the reality is, you know, I'm saying this as someone who lives in England, it does not get that cold here. If you put on a decent coat and you've got hat, scarf and gloves, you can go for a very nice walk, even on a winter day with your one mate right now as the current restrictions stand in the park. And so I've just been trying to apply this kind of thinking to all of lockdown. So I've been focusing on the fact that 
Yes, technically right now in England, we are locked down, but it is not as strict as it was the last time we were in lockdown. We can still see friends on a one-on-one basis. Kids can still go to schools. So at least that means that parents have a fighting chance of getting their work done. It's not as tight as it was before. So what are the, essentially, what's the glass half full attitude that we can take toward to this? And what's great about remote working and working from home is what I've done is I've switched up my day a little bit. So I can go for walks with a friend during the day. So I get my like daylight and then go back to work. So again, you can be a bit more open and flexible to how you do things. And again, it's this thing I keep talking about, like creating within the constraints that you have, because I keep having conversations with people who are like, oh, there's nothing to do. And it's like, schedule a walk a day. That's enough social time for for anyone. Um, Maybe not every day, but you know, there is things you can do. And I know this isn't relevant for this specific podcast, but it's the same for dating. So many people can say, oh, what's the point? It's like, meet someone for a walk. Like that's, that could be romantic. Like see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. You know, focus on, on what you can rather than what you can't. Um, So the other thing that I've been thinking about in terms of how to approach this lockdown is I've been thinking a lot about how we've been, so many of us are really burnt out and exhausted and just really suffering right now. And the classic advice for that is to, you know, take a break if you can, and ideally take some kind of holiday or at least take time off. Now I've been thinking about the fact that the reality is for most people, they just really feel like they just can't take time off and that they are actually so stressed that they, in taking time off, they're going to stress themselves out more because they're worried that by stepping away from work, things are all going to fall apart around them or that their boss will just think that, oh, I, you know, they'll be first on the firing line basically. So I've been thinking about ways to take breaks when you can't actually take a holiday. And it essentially all boils down to this idea of take micro breaks, take small little breaks. And what I mean by that is quite literally, can you just go to bed half an hour earlier each night? If you're kind of really stressed out and you're really exhausted and you can't afford or you are not able to take a week off, can you just start going to sleep a bit earlier or, you know, at the other end, wake up half an hour, half an hour later? Can you use your lunch break more to your advantage? Can you make better use of your lunch break? Have a bath, take a nap, just find ways to just incorporate rest and downtime in small doses. And then the best thing about all of that is that really the best thing we can do for ourselves is sleep and rest. It's just such a key part of mental well-being. And it's something that I've been really, really reminded of recently because I've been, I've not been sleeping great. And it's made me really realize that when I used to work in an office and I just, you know, didn't get enough sleep, how much that affected me. And if you can just, and especially now as the winter is drawing in and we just find ourselves just all that more tired, just try where you can to rest more. Don't put the pressure on yourself to say, oh, I'm going to sort of take a whole week off and do a staycation and do all of this stuff when in reality you can't do that just do what you can with what you have seems to be the theme of today but I too I too um haven't been sleeping very well so even though I feel pretty good with regards to mindset and approach there's obviously an underlying um 
anxiety or whatever it might be going on there. So I wake up pretty much every day at like three or 4 a.m. And I now just nap loads and I just accept that that's part of my day. Like I need to rest because my sleep isn't happening throughout a whole night. And I don't really overthink it. I just, when I feel tired, get into bed and have a have a nap. And I've always seen rest as the key to productivity. So I've always reframed the nap and I'm a big believer in the nap. We will nap our way to success. Um, and so that's made me feel more confident about napping. So I think there's, there's that association with laziness or whatever, but I just really believe in the power of having the best energy you can have. So nap away. Speaking of giving yourself permission, I think that's a really key piece to all of this is that you just need to give yourself permission to be worried and you need to just give yourself permission to feel however you're feeling. And I think that's something else that's really important to emphasize right now is that different people are at different stages in their pandemic worrying and their pandemic anxiety that they're, that everyone is experiencing. And I've seen a couple of examples where people have been talking about this publicly. So one of our former uh, podcast guests, Katie Morton, who is a therapist based out in California, and she's also a YouTuber. She put out a video last week where she just said that she's just really struggling right now. And it was a really great video because I think there is now a mismatch with how people are coping when we were right in the thick of the pandemic everyone was all in this together and we were pretty much all as worried as each other but now different people are at different levels of stress some people have kind of bounced back from those initial from that initial stage of worry and other people are maybe more worried than they were before and we're sort of all at different points and another um a podcast that i absolutely love reply all one of their most recent episodes is about how happy people, we, how happy everyone is. And they got this expert on to talk about this sort of universal happiness index. And the bit that I loved about that episode was one of the, one of the two co-hosts, Alex Goldman, he talked about how he is just really struggling and he just feels like he is not dealing with this or that the pandemic has affected him more than the average person. And I just think that all of this just highlights how different people are just at different stages and that it's really important to acknowledge that and that if you are quote unquote more worried than other people, that is normal. There is no right or wrong way to deal with the stresses that are coming our way. And that the reality is that different people have been affected in different ways by everything that's going on. And so um, all of that is to say, allow yourself to just feel however you feel. What a beautiful note to end on. Allow yourself to feel however you feel. We'll be back in the new year. In the meantime, pre-order you're the business by Anna Cadrearado and let us know on social media what's going on with you we're at is this underscore working and we wish you all the best as we are all in this together over the next few months you have been listening to a special lockdown bonus episode of is this working 
hosted by Anna Kojirado and Tiffany Philippou and produced by Chris Bannister. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.